This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. There's a story I came across, I just found it humorous, so I'm going to share it this morning. There's a story about a, a criminal and a priest, um, and so I'm just going to read it to you. It says, there was a man who was always in trouble with the law. And after one of the most recent run-ins with the law, he was allowed to go to confessional with his priest. And while there, he told the priest, I'm changing my ways, Father. The priest said, have you finally seen the light, my son? He said, no, Father, I felt the heat. And so I want you to know today that there's two ways that we change. We either see the light or we feel the heat. There's two ways that we change. We see the light. In other words, we see a situation for what it was and we, we, we accept it. We say, I want to... I want to live for that choice. I want to live for that better decision. Or we feel the heat of the circumstances and life doesn't go so well. Right? And so with everything, we feel the heat or we see the light. But I want to share with you today the purpose of a new season. We've talked a lot about the new season. We've talked a lot about what God wants to do in your life and what he wants to go through your life. But we haven't really talked a lot about the purpose of a new season. Are you ready for this? The purpose for any new season is to produce change. Not in your circumstances. In you. And as a result of the change in you, the circumstances become irrelevant. And oftentimes God changes them too just because he loves us. Right? But the purpose of any season or any new season is to produce change. And the purpose of change is to produce growth. Or if we can say this morning, new life, new hope. New peace, new joy, new anything. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. The first thing I want you to see with this verse is God is able. God is able. We sing that song, God is able. God is able to do abundantly above what you could ever ask or think. Not only does it not only is it abundantly, but he actually talks about exceedingly abundantly. I don't know about you, but that's pretty good. How many know abundantly is good? Exceedingly abundantly is even better. All right, okay. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. But what's the key? What's the key? The key is very simple. According to the work of God in our life. So to the degree that we allow God to work and change us and transform us and and sandpaper off the edges, to the degree that we allow that to happen is to the degree that we experience the new season in our life. Do you believe that this morning? Are you guys awake? Do I need to do the hokey pokey to get you guys awake? Okay. Joel, you want to do it? You can lead the whole congregation. It's all good. I'd like to see that, actually. We'll have to set that up. All right. Who needs Grover when we got Joel doing the hokey pokey, right? It's awesome. Oh, it's good. But I want, you to, I want you to know today, seasons matter. Seasons matter. But why does it matter? It always matters because God wants to produce something better in us. And, I, you know, I know this is not necessarily encouraging, but the only constant in life is change. Right? Things change. We don't like change. We don't like it at all. But you can either be the, the victim of change... Or you can overcome and become changed. Whatever God wants to do, he wants to do in your life. What do we do with the opportunities 
the change. And this is really what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to just share a story about the Swiss watch company. How many have ever owned a Swiss watch? How many know they're pretty famous? Been around a long time. They've been around for quite a long time. And this story says, from 1900 to 1967, the Swiss were the leading watchmakers in the world. In 1967, when digital technology was patented, the Swiss rejected it in favor of the traditional ball bearings, gears, and mainsprings that they had been using to make watches for decades. Unfortunately, however, the world was ready for this advance in Seiko. A Japanese company picked up the digital patent and became the leading watch manufacturer in the world almost overnight. 50,000 of the 67,000 Swiss watch companies closed down overnight. Swiss watchmakers went out of business because they refused to embrace this new technology. We have to understand today that the, 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 the reason for a new season is change. He wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. If we can say it like this, no more old bucket. No more old bucket. God wants to give you a new bucket. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's message and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But how many know that with every change or with every season, there's something in between called a season of transition? We're in it right now. I don't know if you noticed. I don't want to give you the bad news, but this Wednesday night is supposed to be eight degrees overnight. I know. I just wanted to encourage you this morning and get you all excited about Christmas, right? So <laughs> Christmas is coming. Uh, it is now less than three months away. I just thought I'd let you know. Okay. But you have to understand this morning, how we handle transition will greatly determine how well we handle change. And it also determine how well we enter a new season. God takes us through seasons for three primary reasons. And when we understand this, it helps to bring a little understanding to what we're going through and a little bit of insight into why we're going through it. But there's three reasons why we go through different seasons. Number one is this, to bring about change. Number two is to bring about growth. And number three is to bring about revelation or information or insight or whatever other word you want to use. Revelation is something that you didn't previously know. That's why it's called revelation. It's revealed to you. How many know that sometimes we get stuck in circumstances and we keep repeating it because we haven't had a revelation of what we need to do different? Okay? And so what God is after this morning is he wants to reveal himself to you and give you insight and revelation about your current situation so that you can move past it and get forward with God. Do you want to move forward with God? Revelation is incredibly important because you can only do something that you know. Right? You can't do something you don't know, or you would have done it already. But think about this. Something that you don't know is robbing you of something that God wants for you. I'm going to say it again. Something you don't know is robbing you of something God wants for you. And so what we have to do is we have to position ourselves to understand the the plans and the purposes of God for the new season and for our new bucket. Why? Because I I can say this, one of the most important things about what we do with our new season and our new bucket is who we choose to put in our new bucket. Who we choose to put in our new bucket is so incredibly key to getting to where God wants us to. How many know that sometimes it's going to have to make a change? Right? Because old information in an old bucket creates old season opportunities and you don't want them anymore. How many want to stay in the old season? No. How many want a new season? Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. That's good. 
oftentimes, the people that are in your new season bucket are so important because they know you, they love you, and they're in alignment with God's heart for you. And oftentimes, they will give you revelation, insight, advice, feedback, sometimes that you don't want, but it's new season revelation for a new season. And you have the choice to accept it and say, I'm going to change, or I'm going to grow, I'm going to take that insight and I'm going to take it into my life and I'm going to apply it to my life with the decisions that I make, not just relationally, but financially in so many different ways. How many have ever felt like you've been in a prolonged old season? (laughs) How many could write a book on what it's like to be in a prolonged old season? How many already wrote the book and it's been on New York Times bestseller list? No, I tell you, some of you have been in a battle. You've You've gone through warfare. You've gone through the, 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 just the heartache of dealing with this old season. And some of you maybe even got to a point where you started to question the love of God for your life. Maybe you even started to question the existence of God in your life. Maybe you started, his, you started to question his heart for you in that season. But God wants you to know today he loves you. He's not forgotten about you. He still believes in you. He hasn't turned the page of your life and given up on you. He believes in you and he has a plan for your life. And his heart, just like Abby's bucket that we talked about last week, is to not just repair it, not to duct tape an old broken bucket, but to remove it and to get rid of it and keep producing in you a new bucket of hope and purpose for your life. Remember last week that if you didn't have a Kanos change, you wouldn't experience a Keros moment that would be lasting For those that don't know about that, you can listen to last week and you'll find out about it. But if we don't change those things, we're bound to repeat the old bucket patterns. Two construction workers had taken a lunch break. And while they were on lunch break, they had this interesting conversation about what was in their lunchbox. And uh, it may sound really weird, but one of them looked inside his box and said, Oh, no, not bologna again. How many love bologna? Right. Well, he was upset because he had bologna again, and he can't even believe it. He was, he was frustrated. He was, he was absolutely angry because he didn't want bologna again. And so his brother, looked, his friend, looked at him and said, uh, why didn't you just ask your wife to make you something different? He replied, I don't have a wife. I made it myself. <laughs> the fact is that most of the bologna that we experience in our life is there as a result of ourselves. Okay? We have to stop serving the same old baloney. And that's what you can take from this message today. Take it home and tell your kids. It's awesome. All right. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, it says this. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will give you a new season. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A new thing, a fresh start, a new beginning. I don't know about you, but the entire Bible is a book of restoration. It's about the the love of God restoring somebody who walked away from God or left the purposes of God for their life. And God wants to restore you. The reality is, at the end of the day, there's nothing we could do to deserve the love of God. 
Let's be honest for a second. There's nothing that we could do to impress God enough to say, hey, God, why don't you just come down and help me in my situation? But the most incredible story of the Bible, the most incredible story of all time is a deep love story about the God of redemption that wants to come and restore you out of your mess and put a ladder down into your pit and help you climb out. Not because you deserve it, but because he loves you. That's the heart of God for you this morning. I don't know about you, but it's time to make tomorrow different than today. It's time to make a new season a reality in your life. So how do we do that? I just want to share very briefly this morning three keys, three things that we need to do to align ourselves with God's plan of purpose, to allow the new season to come, to remain, and to be as fruitful as God always intended it to be. How many want a new season but also want it to be fruitful and actually have some lasting influence in your life, right? There's nothing more frustrating than getting a hold of something and then three weeks later it's done. Or like a lot of our New Year's resolutions, it gets to about January 2nd, right? Some of us even make it to January 3rd, but that's like because we're really good. Um, I want to share three keys. They're very simple. They're very basic, but I think they're so profound for what we're doing and what we're saying this morning. And I believe they're profound considering where our world has gotten to, okay? And some of the things that they're espousing and talking about right now. The first thing is this. You must embrace the Bible as absolute truth. John 8, verse 32, it says, The truth that you know will set you free. It's one thing to say, I believe the Bible is absolute truth. It's another thing to say, I believe it's absolute truth for me. It's a whole other thing to say, I believe it's absolute truth for me that I'm going to now apply and live out in my life. The moment that you receive the word of God as absolute truth, the moment that you apply it to your life, and the moment that you live it out, is the moment when that very truth the very truth that Jesus said to Pilate when he was being questioned just before he dies. And Pilate asked him, why are you here? Why are you here? And he says, it's for this reason that I came. It's for this reason that I'm here. And he says, for the reason called truth. He gave it all away. He's here for truth. We cannot compromise the Bible. We cannot apologize for what the Word of God says. The reality is, is most of us feel like we have to get on the defensive with certain things about Scripture because it's not because we have to defend God. It's because we have to defend our own personal theology that we haven't made up yet. We're not settled, therefore we're nervous. So it's not the questions that come that make us nervous. If we're all being honest this morning, the reason why we struggle is because we're not settled on it. We don't know. We're not convinced. We're not sure. So when someone comes and says this question or that question or that question, we're like, uh, well, well um, and then in our minds, we start to struggle. I want you to know today the best thing that you can do over the next year. You want to know the best thing that you can do for the next year? Treat this thing like your cell phone. Some of you, it is your cell phone. Carry it with you everywhere you go. Carry it into bed. Text God every night. Have a Facebook friend meeting with him every night. You've got to do whatever. You can even tweet God and see what he responds. I'm telling you right now, he wants to be a friend. 
There is a friend in Jesus, and he wants to be a friend with you, even on Twitter. So just go there, tweet him. Treat him. (laughs) Tweet him or treat him as precious. Treat his words as precious. As of great power and of great worth and of great value. How many have ever been in a relationship where you know words are just being flippantly said about you, but you don't believe anything they're saying? Oh, no, I, yeah, 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 I really appreciate you, man. (laughs) When we can treat the word of God as the most precious thing, the most precious asset, the most precious commodity that we have, then I'm telling you right now, the new season is going to be above and beyond what you could ever imagine. And it's regardless of any circumstance. And it's regardless of the mess you're in. And it's regardless of what the, the, the little number says at the end of your bank account. It doesn't matter. It's regardless of where your relationships are at. Because when God does a new thing in you, God will do a new thing through you. That's a powerful thing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between that which is of your soul versus that which is of your spirit. That's Cameron's paraphrase. Between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Whenever God's word is esteemed and valued and honored, and the truth comes to our situation, I guarantee you that in every circumstance that we are facing, everyone doesn't matter how godly you think you are. Every time God's word comes, it's coming to you not because you have the answer, but because you don't know the answer. It's coming to reveal something that may be 90% good, but a little bit off. How many know that 99% good is still a little off? And so what God is going to do is he's just going to, over time, and through the things that you go through in your life, he wants to just sandpaper those edges off and give you a perspective of him that you've never had before. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17, it says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives so that we can change. I just added that in. Um, It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses change. God uses the change of a new season to prepare you and equip you to do the work of God. How many feel like, and let's just be honest for a second, how many feel like um, you haven't seen a lot of fruit from your life? You haven't seen a lot of people healed when you prayed for them. Okay? How many haven't seen a lot of people come to Christ as a result of something you shared with them? How many feel a little frustrated when not everything works out in your life the way you hoped it would? Okay, let's be honest for a second, guys. We're all human. Come on, let's just put down the mask. Let's not all act all holier than thou and think we have it all together. I'm the first one that does not have it all together. So let's just be real for a second. To the degree that we embrace God's truth as the thing in our life, the most important thing in our life, it says he's going to equip you to do the work of God. Remember many years ago, 
Uh, I'd grown up in church. I grew up in a good Pentecostal church, so I, I knew all the answers. You know what I'm saying? I could say amen at all the right moments and not feel embarrassed. You know what I'm saying? I could, I could, I could actually spin things in such a way that people actually thought I knew what I was talking about. I was a professional Christian. Do you know what I'm saying? But my heart wasn't there. I was professional, and I could put it on, and I could fake it real well. Man, I look good sometimes. Man, I, I, I even fake people into thinking I had it all together. I didn't. But when I came to the moment of truth in my life, I had an incredible experience with God, and most of you have heard that story. But what I haven't told a lot of you is that from the moment that thing happened, something changed in me regarding God's Word. It didn't become a book anymore. It didn't become this thing that sat on a shelf. It didn't become this, you know, this thing that I, you know, trying to win a Sunday school contest when I was seven years old to see who could stand up and have the flippy method to the quickest verse as possible. For those that have been in Sunday school, remember that. It was the flippy method. Go as fast as you can. Go as fast as you can. Yes, Matthew 27. Got it. Standing up. Here I am. Woo-hoo. Give me the candy. You know what I'm saying? Bring it on and it better be a Mars bar. Okay. Woo, Jesus. But I want you to see here today, from the moment I came back to God, the moment I had this revelation of who God is in my life, almost instantaneously, I developed this love and appreciation for God's Word. I got journal book after journal book after journal book on on my shelf at home of Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of things that God was showing me. I started putting them together. I started categorizing these verses. And I started speaking those verses over the circumstances and the situations I was struggling with. And it was God's word that overcame it. It wasn't me. It was God's word eliminating the circumstance because as I was proclaiming the word of God and as God's word was getting into me, my mind started shifting. The way I thought about circumstances started shifting. All this stuff started shifting and I started seeing things the way God saw them. And every time a circumstance would happen, or the enemy would play with your mind, because I'm sure he does, I'd come back to what well, the Word says. The Word says. Devil, get away. I don't, I don't care what you say. The Word says. When the devil tempted Jesus, what did he respond with? Well, the Word says. We've got to be just like our Father. We gotta, just like Jesus, we've got to respond the way he did. Because when we can do that, God will overcome. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? We have to orientate our thinking from not what do we say about our life, but what does God say about our life. Did you know that there's 1,189 chapters, over 800,000 words, 66 books written by 40 different people inspired over 1,500 years? Actually, really, if you go back to all of it, it's probably closer to 2,500 years. It is the best-selling book of all time. It's over 5.1 billion books and counting. That's the word, the Bible. God wants to be your compass, your guide, and the centerpiece of your life. You know, for those who have been around church for any length of time, you remember the old acronym of Bible Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. I love that because it's so true. Cherish the Word of God because it will change your life. Number two, you must obey God's instructions. How many of his parents wish our kids would listen? I told you 37 times. That's how you do it. What are you doing? Why don't you just listen to me? And they're looking at you going, how did your face kind of go like that? (laughs) It's kind of like makes you look weird. I don't know how my face goes like that, but just listen to me. Come on. 
You must obey God's instructions. It's not, it, it, I mean, it's, it's good to love the Word, and it's good to read it, and it's good to get into it. But it's at the moment when God comes to you and says, that's old bucket thinking. I want you to get into the new bucket. And we go, are you saying that I'm living wrong? Yeah. Are you saying that I'm doing something wrong? Yeah. I'll tell you right now, in the age of tolerance, that becomes very difficult. Right now, we worship at the God called tolerance. I don't mean to make light of it in any way because there's a lot of things out of tolerance that are very good and very godly. But there's a lot of stuff to the degree that it's gone to now. It's just ridiculous. There is no absolute right or wrong anymore because we all have to tolerate everything. Well, it doesn't matter what you do because it's all about love, right? Okay, well, hey. All right, yeah, I may be married, but I love that other person better. Okay, well, it's all about love wins, right? So, hey, I'm going to go do that. No, that's crazy. That is insanity 101. All right? But this is the world in which we live in. So what we have to do is the, we have to understand that when the word of God comes, it's always going to implant in your thought process a biblical worldview. And it is going to be countercultural to what we live in right now. You Queens students, I'm telling you right now, I pray for you guys all the time. Because you are in, as we had the word over James, you are steeped in liberalism at Queens University. Steeped in it. And that doesn't mean that everything's bad because it's an awesome school. And we're blessed. We have a lot of people in this congregation that actually work there, including our Dr. James, who's a professor there. I don't know how many we have. How many is like eight or nine that work at Queens? It's quite a few. But I want you to know today, you guys are in the, you're in the belly of the whale. You're in the, you're in the thick of it. And God wants to encourage you and, and, and just empower you to be able to stand for truth and stand for God's ways in the midst of things that will fight against you. Luke eleven twenty eight says this, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, how can a young person, I even say, how can an old person stay on the path of purity by living according to the word? Matthew seven twenty four. anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. I, want, I have news for you today, and I don't want to get all weird, but I just want to be honest. God is an illogical God. He will ask you to do illogical things. It's what he does. Because he doesn't want you to have a mental assent of him. He wants you to have faith in him. And the only way that faith comes is when he says, I want you to do that. And you go, what? I said, what? You want me to cheer for the Ottawa Senators? I don't believe it! (laughs) That is not of God. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Oh, have mercy. But think about this. It's illogical to ask Abraham to give up the very son God gave him. I don't know if you ever thought about that before. I have. It's illogical to march around a city seven times and then at the end of it go, and then the walls fall down. That's weird. Okay? Pray for Sandra, please, please. 
it's weird when God says the walls are going to come down on a city. The walls are about 25 feet high, but they're going to come down because you're going to march around it and do the hokey pokey at the end of it with Joel Menard. And then it's all going to come down. They're like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Why? Because he wants to prove to you it's not about you. It's about him. It's illogical for David to fight Goliath with five little stones and a sling when the guy was three and a half feet taller than him. And a big sword, which David used to cut off his head. It's illogical for Peter to be asked to climb out of a boat and walk on water. It's illogical. It's illogical for Jesus to spit in mud, stick it into a blind man's eyes, and then ask the blind man to walk two miles to a certain pool. (laughs) And wash it off. (laughs) It's crazy. But this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. (laughs) God... God will often give you instruction that is illogical, but it's going to call on the very depths of your faith and your belief in God. And it'll stretch you beyond anything you've ever been stretched in before, but it'll be the most freeing thing you've ever gone through in your life. It's illogical to say, Cameron, I want you to move from Oshawa and leave your job and leave your benefits and your medical benefits, and your eye benefits, and your pill prescriptions, and leave your pension, and leave everything, and just come to Kingston. What do we do when we get here, Lord? I'll tell you. Okay. Yes, sir. Makes no sense. Why does he do this? Because when God gives you an instruction, logic is not required, only obedience. And the proof of your faith is obedience, not logic. The proof that you have faith is your obedience to the very direct word of God. Not your logical, intellectual approach to what God is saying. Well, the Lord has said this, therefore as I process it through in my life right now, and I compartmentalize it according to what I think I can handle, what I can't handle, what I maybe will handle down the road. That's not how it works. I wish it was. How many wishes that God worked like that? But he doesn't work like that. He doesn't do that. He goes right for the jugular right from day one. And says, if you believe in me, and you believe the words that I've said over you, then do what I said. New season. It's a new season. God is not moved by need. God's moved by your faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who sometimes seek him. Oh, sorry. Did I miss something there? <laughs> He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's greatest pleasure is to be trusted and loved. And believed. And followed. 
You ready for number three? Number three. Here's the very thing that will hold you in your old bucket quicker than you can say your own name. You must. I didn't say you should think about. You must forgive others. There's nothing that keeps someone in an old bucket more than unforgiveness. Listen, I think some of you are in this place this morning, and, and I'm not here to enable or condone what has been done. Or at times even to support what has been done to you or against you. But what I am saying is simply this. Make the choice to let it go. And trust God to deal with the consequences and the circumstances of that event. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Just trust God. I believe some of you are in this place this morning and you have just held on for stuff for so long. It's time to let it go. How many know that those people that hurt you, they've moved on? And here we are, for some of you, months, years, decades later, and you still haven't. It's time to let it go. Have you ever heard of the statement, your best defense is a good? Well, if we flip it around and use it in the biblical terms, your best defense is a good offense. Think about this. Offended people are the most defensive people in the world. And defensive people always defend the season that they're currently in and will hold on to their old bucket for dear life because it's been a comfort place for them. If we don't release the offense and if we don't release it now, it'll become bitterness. And for some of us, it's already become that. But bitterness attacks your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. That's what it attacks. God doesn't want you to do that. How many know today that Jesus had a Judas? Someone who betrayed him. Someone who he could have easily been offended by or hurt by. But I have news for you. You have a Judas. And you always will. Happy days are here again. Woo-hoo, let's pray. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You're always going to have a Judas. Because a Judas is proof of where your faith is at. A Peter will never prove where your faith is at. A Judas will. Peter's just the guy cheerleading you on from the boat. Yeah, I got out in the water, man. You can do it. Pom-poms. Woo-hoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do it, man. Judas is like, I'm the, Judas is the guy that'll stick a knife in your back, betray you, say things against you, talk about you, destroy your reputation, and kick you while you're down. How do we deal with a Judas? How we deal with a Judas? Well, we stay bitter or we get better. Mark eleven twenty five. it says, When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We need to embrace God's word as absolute truth. We need to obey God's instructions, and we need to forgive others. And guess what happens when we do those three things? God presents you with his new season. I'm telling you right now, there was levels of faith and there was levels of breakthrough that Sandra and I have never experienced prior to coming to Kingston. We prayed for them. We believed God for them. We cried over them. We were at prayer meetings, bawling our eyes out for them. But nothing happened until we made the move to come here. Certain things we were blessed by. Many of you know our story. We were blessed in many different ways back in Oshawa. And Oshawa was an incredible place for us in so many ways. But there were elements of our new season that didn't happen until we actually got out of the boat and came here. 
there are elements of what we experienced here because we had to go to a whole other level in our faith. We had to go to a whole other level in trusting God's word. We had to go to a whole other level in believing that God actually says, was who he says he was. We actually had to believe what he said. And we say before then, yeah, we believed. We believed. But when we came here, it was a whole other level. I want you to know today, because I tell you, I've seen so many people that are afraid or nervous or intimidated by the next level. What is, what's God going to require of me? And then it causes us to back away because we're not sure. And we get a little nervous about that. What, God, what are you going to require of me? I have news for you. Whenever you walk through the door of opportunity and you get there, God's grace has already figured it all out for you. He's already prepared the way. Isaiah chapter 60, he's already prepared the way. He's already made it good. He's already made it in a way. And so you actually just step into his grace when you step into obedience. If you don't step into obedience, you don't step into his grace, which means you're still trying to figure it out on your own. It's frustrating. But when you step into obedience, God always promises that his grace, what's his grace? His enabling power to do what you cannot do on your own. His grace takes over and you're able to accomplish much with God. Do you believe that this morning? How many are ready to step through your door of opportunity? How many are ready to step into your new season? Let's stand together this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.